Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory and we're we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the economy of life today. found myself quoting Bugs Life to somebody on the internet who uh, is discussing some of these things uh, like economy, like the economy that you live in, wherever you live. You can live almost anywhere in the world and you have elements of capitalism in your society because capitalism... What capitalism really is, is what it really is defined as. Not what people are calling capitalism, but what it's defined as is that the means of production are in the possession of the individual. When God said, dress it and keep it, he was talking to an individual, a man. Dress it and keep it. That means to take the natural resources and dress them, manage them. Take care of them. Keep them. Protect them. This is what capitalism allows the individual to do. Now, the individual might not do it. So, therefore, capitalism in itself, even though it is a moral economic structure, doesn't guarantee morality. Morality is a choice. What capitalism guarantees by the nature of the definition of capitalism, which means the means of production is in the hands of the individual, is that the individual has the right to make the moral choice. In socialism, the individual does not have the right to make the moral choice as to who gets what. That is decided by the collective, either through electing some, since they're not going to vote on every meal uh, and who gets what, uh, they're going to give somebody the power to divide the products of the labor of the community. That individual is going to have a position of power. You have to have someone in a position of power in order to effectively operate Socialism. Socialism requires that. So when you create a socialist state, you create offices of power. Because somebody's going to have the right to decide the distribution of wealth. Where did that right come from? It was originally in the hands of the individual. In capitalism, it's in the hands of the individual. The individual has the right to decide what he does with the means of production. What's the primary means of production in nature? You. You. Your labor. What you do. I mean, if you extract gold from the ground, you, you dig out a bunch of dirt, and you wash away the dirt, and you're left with, you know, heavier items. You know, you pan the the gold out because it's heavier, so it goes to... You know, you wash away the dirt and then you see the gold flake and you pick it up and you put it in your little leather pouch. You have now collected with your labor a piece of dirt. That dirt you call gold. It has a specific gravity and weight and it operates. And you can, you can mold it and shape it into something of use. You have exploited the earth. 
And that was one of the things that I, I pointed out in the conversation because people say that capitalism exploits things as if exploiting things is a bad deal. But what is to exploit? Uh, to, to exploit something actually simply means to make full use of and derive a benefit from a resource. So if I were to exploit you, would that be a bad thing? Or would that be a good thing? I would make full use of you. Say you were really good at fixing cars. And I needed my car fixed. And I said, you know, if you fix my car, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. I have exploited you as a natural resource. But that isn't a bad thing because you get a hundred dollars and I get my car fixed. Uh, you might charge me two hundred dollars. You say, well, no, I'll do it for two hundred dollars because this is a big job. And I say, okay. I have exploited you. But that isn't a bad thing. You walk away with $200 and my car works. That's a good thing. We're both happy. You got $200 and I got my car fixed. But that was exploitation. By definition. Making the full use of and deriving a benefit from. We both benefited. We both made use of what we had. I had a car. You had the ability to fix it. That's exploitation. Did you know that? See, if I say the word exploitation, you think I've abused you. But that's a mindset. That isn't the definition of the word. That is an implication that you have applied by a previously existing prejudice that you have in your mind. If I say capitalism, because you have seen ugly capitalists, Selfish capitalists. You think capitalism is bad. Because you've watched memes on Facebook saying that Denmark is the happiest nation in the world. <laughs> you think socialism is a good thing because you, they tell you that Denmark is socialist. Actually, the president of Denmark says they're not socialists. They're, they, they call themselves something in between. They have socialist tendencies in their economy and in their government. But they also have capitalist tendencies in their government. People get to keep what they earn. They don't keep, get to keep all of it. They're taxed by maybe 50% of what they earn. They can be taxed a lot more. I mean, if they want to buy a car, I think it's 150% tax on a car. Actually, maybe even more than that. Uh, I can't, I can't remember now. It's, it's phenomenal. I mean, like a $20,000 car here in the United States, uh, I think would cost over 150000 So, yeah, I guess it's more than 150%. But anyway, the point is, is that they're heavily, heavily taxed. So, it's not really capitalism because they do not, if you're in a 50% tax bracket, 20% tax bracket, 10% tax bracket, that's not capitalism. Because you only own, if you were in a 10% tax bracket, you only own 90% of the means of production, the primary means of production, your labor. 10% of your labor you do not own. And somebody will take that away from you. If you are, 50% of your wages are taken from you, then you, you know, you only have 50% capitalism. And the reality is a lot more than 50% is taken away from most people, including the people in uh, 
Denmark, who are not the happiest people, they're, they're, uh, they, they eat, consume more depressants than almost anybody else. They're, uh, they have a great deal of, um, you know, suicides in their society. So, doesn't sound that happy to me. And, and droves of people have left Denmark and taken their businesses with them because of the fact of the heavy taxation. So, uh, these MIMS, you know, education by MIM is, uh, is not a reality. You are, it is brainwashing you. And, uh, and I see so much of that on the internet. It's just ridiculous. Um, but it's very hard to get people to realize what these things really are doing and what it's really all about because they are so brainwashed. And because many people, if not most people, are amoral. They are lacking morals. And that's why socialism is attractive to, to many people because they are actually amoral. They have no morals, or at least have very little morals as, along certain lines. And they can't see it because they've been brainwashed. So anyway, I, ha- I had this discussion with a number of people, and, and one fellow named Malik, he says, this might sound harsh, but uh, this is reality. We, the capitalists, do not love our workers, nor are we required to. Well, you can't say that's, that isn't necessarily so. A capitalist may love his workers. But he is absolutely right that in order to be a capitalist, you are not required to love your workers. You might not love your workers. The choice remains with you. Because your workers are your resources. And you're exploiting your workers. And again, remember, exploitation doesn't mean abuse. It means make use of. If a guy is sitting around and idle, doing nothing with his skill, he is unemployed. He doesn't have, he can fix cars, but he doesn't have a car to fix. He doesn't own a car himself. But he can go work for somebody else who owns a car, owns the means of, uh, of, you know, all that metal that was extracted from the ground and molded into a shape of a car. He owns a car, but he needs somebody to fix it. And so therefore, now, the person with the talent to fix it is employed in the operation of fixing the car. He will be rewarded according to, uh, compensated for his time and energy. So he's going to take his means of production, his skill, and turn it into something of value for him. And in the same course of events, the person who owns the car is going to get a car that works rather than a car. You know, a car that doesn't work is a giant anchor. <laughs> it's a barricade. It's an obstacle to the lawnmower. Uh, but when it works, it's now an asset. He can now use it. And now, with the $200 that the the mechanic earned fixing the car, he can go out and turn that into something else. He can buy food. He can pay rent. Uh, he can buy more tools to get more jobs fixing more cars. Both individuals profited. Both individuals exploited one another. They used the resources of one another. The skill of the mechanic 
and the automobile of the capitalist. And they were both capitalists. And they both enhanced their position. They've dressed it and kept it. There is no uh, zero-point energy here. There's no point where, you know, now you've, you've only had a limited number of resources. You've actually expanded your resources. You've turned a pile of metal, junk, into an operating machine. Maybe he fixed uh, the guy's backhoe, and now the guy can go out and make ditches to irrigate ground that where you had some areas turning into swamp and some areas dry and barren, and now he's going to divide that up so that some areas are now getting water that didn't get water before, and he can grow more trees, more grass, more wildlife, more birds, more deer, more antelope, more sheep, whatever. Because he's taken that water and spread it out in a more efficient pattern. Because nature's going to simply carve out a Grand Canyon, which maybe looks great, but doesn't really produce a lot. If you went down the Grand Canyon, if you did not eat snake, snakes, you would probably starve to death. <laughs> because there's not a lot down there to eat. There are a few deer around, but not a lot. Because, But there's a huge amount of water zooming through there, but it doesn't grow much because it's all channeled down through the bottom. If you spread that water out, which they eventually do when it comes out, uh, you could grow all kinds of things and feed thousands and thousands of people and wildlife and make beautiful gardens, etc. Because you took that water and you exploited it. You used it as a means of production and produced more, not less. You didn't take away from one group. You know, and starve the poor rocks. Now we're not going to get a bigger Grand Canyon because you took some of the water away. No, you're going to actually get more. You're going to increase. You're going to create something where there was little before. And that's what capitalism allows you to do. Now, it doesn't guarantee that you do this. But anyway, he goes on to ask in his question... Uh, we are the capitalists, do not love our workers, nor are we required to, when he should have probably just said, we are not required to love our workers in order to be capitalists. We are only required to put them into productive use and ensure liability. I'm not sure what he means by liability. Sorry, but not sorry. I'm not sure, you know, what do you mean by liability? If... Uh, if the individual employed in the fixing of my car bangs his knuckle because the wrench slips, am I responsible for getting him a Band-Aid? No, he's a private contractor and he is responsible for himself. So I have no liability if he busts his knuckle. He said he could fix the car. He didn't say I had to be his social security. So I'm not sure what liability, what liability I do have is that in fixing my car, I'm not allowed to interfere with anybody else's property rights. If he accidentally leaves a tool uh, next to my radiator and I open up, I actually had a guy work on my car once and I thought I, I knew he had somebody who works for him buttoning up the job. And uh, so I crawled underneath. I think it was he was putting in a starter or something. I don't know what he was doing. But anyway, 
So I crawled underneath the car to see what he had done, to see if he'd done it right, because I didn't trust the guy who worked for him. And there I found two wrenches still stuck on the nuts, you know. They they were still just hanging there under the car on the nuts, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, on the bolts where he had tightened them up. And he'd left the wrenches hanging there. <laughs> I don't get to keep those wrenches. I got to take them into the owner and said, these wrenches were still hanging. <laughs> and he just rolled his eyes. But I had a liability that I had to return his wrenches because that was not a part of the deal. So there is some sort of liability, but the liability is only not to infringe upon the contract and the individual property of the individuals that you're dealing with and other individuals who may not even be a part of this. I can't get in the car and go out and run over people. So I have a liability there. But uh, that's as far as that goes. He goes on to say, before some ignoramus brings up exploitation and wages. The slavery bear in mind that without the investment of the owner, the worker would be unemployed. He would not be making use of his own natural resources. Therefore, the owner deserves the potential return on their investment. There is in reality no no exploitation going on, just a return On the investment, gradual profit and further investment are expanding or improving the machinery. Now, again, now he uses the word exploitation, saying no exploitation is going on. And and I know what he means, because of the fact I know most people think exploitation is a bad thing. But the definition of exploitation does not say to abuse. It just simply makes the use of somebody for profit. And he certainly did that. There was exploitation going on. There's exploitation going on all the time. But it doesn't mean abuse. It may mean to mutual advantage. They exploited each other. So we have to be careful how we use these words. Because, the, I mean, that, that definition I gave you, that's just the, the definition. That's the most common definition of the word exploit. But in your mind, you think exploit is a bad thing. It's not. Necessarily. It may be. You think in your mind capitalism is a bad thing. But capitalism is not. Just because somebody it does something bad who is misusing capitalism doesn't make capitalism a bad thing. And I'll show you an example. I wrote to them, capitalism does not guarantee morality. It's not in the definition that it guarantees morality or or good intentions or any of that. I said capitalism does not guarantee morality. It is an economic system that leaves the choice of morality, of generosity, in the hands of the individual, along with the means of production. The mechanic could fix his car so it runs and say, you know, while I was under there, I saw that you your starter was loose and I tightened it up. That wasn't part of the deal. He just did it when he was down there. And the capitalist could say, yo, man, my car is uh, running so good, you know, 
if you need to borrow a car, let me know, and maybe you can borrow this car. And here's the 200 bucks. Generosity is a choice. It's not a requirement. And there are capitalists all the time who do that. They give people free meals at the place of work. Not a part of the wages, but they just choose to do so. We're going to be back and explore this and government next on Keys to the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and I said we were talking about capitalism, and we're going to talk a little bit about government as well. People don't understand capitalism. They think because of the fact that they see somebody who is a capitalist doing bad things, that capitalism is therefore a bad thing. And to show you how stupid that is, I wrote and showed these individuals discussing this. Capitalism does not guarantee morality, I said. It is an economic system that leaves the choice of morality and generosity in the hands of the individual along with the means of production. To suggest or say that capitalism is bad because a capitalist chooses to be immoral or selfish or overly greedy is a potato. Now, that's a term used uh, on... The internet, a potato is a, you know, something is round and a potato is round. Therefore, uh, because it's round, it's a potato. You know, it's it's a invalid argument. It's a misapplication. And so to give you an a, a example of how we see this being done every day by the mindless majority, <laughs> it is like saying that guns are bad because someone misuses a gun. Uh, the fact that somebody misuses a baseball bat doesn't mean that we get to outlaw baseball. You know, if somebody hits somebody over the head with a baseball bat, oh, we must outlaw baseball. Anybody caught playing baseball should be arrested because somebody somewhere hit somebody in the head with a baseball bat. That's a potato. That is just, it, it's a, a non-argument. It is a delusional. And it is very common. That kind of thinking is very common today. Because people do not really think. They don't really have to put ideas together. And one of the reasons this is pervasive in society is you do not have to be responsible for all of your actions. You are not a capitalist. You are not in the in possession of the means of production yourself. So, can we see other examples of this in society and, and how this comes about? I talked to, was talking with two uh, contractors the other day, and we happened to eat a meal together. Somebody was going to feed contractors next door, or me who was fixing an old lady's uh, door, and uh, and. Uh, so we all ate together and I just immediately started talking in reference to conservative ideas and assumed that they were in agreement and uh, they joked about the fact that they uh, they were uh, actually, they pretended to be uh, liberals and uh, leftists almost and totally against guns and hunting and everything, you know. And I knew he was shining me on, uh, even though we had never had a conversation before. And I looked up, leaned over towards him as he was saying that, oh, they don't believe in any kind of killing or guns. They think they're all bad and all that stuff. <laughs> and I leaned over to him and I very straight face said, you're not even a good liar. <laughs> 
everybody broke out laughing because these are working men. They had worked with their hands all their life. They had constructed and made things. They are naturally going to be conservative. Now, it isn't necessarily always the case, but they they have a tendency to it be very common. I've had this conversation with a number of people. And they said, well, of course, because we work for a living. I mean, they work with their hands. They physically, they make ends meet because they're the only ones they rely on to make ends meet. And they don't, and it's it's very um, uh, fascinating how when you start doing things like public school and public education and somebody take care of my parents, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, when you start doing that as a whole society, it shifts the consciousness of society. They begin to not see the potato argument. They they can't connect the dots because they're not responsible for all the dots. Somebody else is responsible for for the dots. You know, somebody else is responsible that I get educated. Somebody else is responsible that my parents are taken care of. Somebody else is responsible for the criminal down the street who's robbing my neighbor. I'm not responsible. I don't want to get involved. And this this makes your mind susceptible to the potato arguments of the world. Where you do not you don't see the big picture. Why? Because you chose not to see your responsibility to your neighbor down the street who was being robbed. You didn't want to volunteer to help your neighbor. Right now there's a project going on in a local community to help somebody sheetrock their house. They've started building a house by themselves, building it from scratch by themselves. They can't hire the labor. They can barely pay for the materials. It's a cabin but it's it's adequate structure and they're building this house so that they could take care of their grandson who is disabled and so they're and they were able to buy a lot and they were able to buy the materials and they've been working at this for several years now and uh their uh one of their grandchildren just died and and they they got a lot of drama in their family uh and so the local community wants to help that individual out because that, that individual also volunteers to help out a lot of people in the community as well as build their own house and hang their own sheetrock. And they've been doing it. But, the, you know, it's a big job for an old lady. So they're all volunteering to go down there and do it. And so I went down to see if they had enough stuff and they didn't have enough stuff. And they didn't have some of the right stuff that they needed. And so the local community volunteered to buy some of the stuff that they need to finish the house. It wasn't a lot, but... And somebody else donated a stove because they didn't have a stove to heat the place. So it's getting done, supposedly, will get done. Or at least huge chunks of the labor will be done in our own network. We did this. We're helping somebody... Uh, rebuild after a fire and and that job is still not entirely completed i think we could have been more efficient about the way we went about doing it but still the expenditure of the effort for other people was a choice that people made that does not go unnoticed in the universe by god but anyway 
let's go back to this exploitation of man is a choice in capitalism. But exploitation itself is not built uh, or, or, or not assumed to be a bad thing. Anyway, the socialism, as an ex- example, abusive exploitation is built into socialism, which centralizes the power in the hands of the leaders who will make decisions that used to be in the hands of the individual. See, rights originate in individuals. Governments are not created by God. Rights are created by God. God gives you the right to dress it and keep it, which is also a responsibility to dress it and keep it. But when you give that responsibility to others, to leaders, to rulers, you no longer have that responsibility. At least you think you don't. And you have put it into the hands of someone else, like Saul. Fix it, Saul. We could fix it, but it's too much trouble, so you fix it, Saul. And it creates what I call the Saul Syndrome. And if you're in the network, you got an email, uh, hopefully just before the program, and it has, you know, a few of these things that I wrote in there and a link to the Soul Syndrome article so you can go look it up as well as a link to capitalism as well as a link to socialism um, and you you need to go and read these things so that you can understand what these things are and how they relate to seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness but you still will not learn what these things are trying to tell you, what these articles are trying to tell you, unless you implement these policies of righteousness in your own life. You have to become a network of people, not just a congregation, but a network of congregations that care about their neighbor near and far as much as they care about themselves, care about their neighbor's rights, care about their neighbor's family, care about their neighbor's livelihood. That care must be born again. What do they, what do they do at the, uh, uh, at that grove, uh, in, uh, California, that, uh, uh, Bohemian grove? They have this little ceremony out there and they kill care. They kill care. And see, that's with socialism. You don't have to worry about making the ends meet in socialism. Because the common purse is going to supply what you don't produce. So, you can kill care. You don't, you don't have to care because the common purse will bail everybody out. You kill care, you kill your soul. You have to care. You have to practice caring about others. So, in this little project in this local town... Of people actually going out and helping somebody else. That's important. They're caring. Now, they need to care wisely. They need to, need to care where, the, you know, what, what was the, the, the they have these uh, programs. Actually, uh, Jimmy Carter kind of promoted it. I don't know that he started it. Where they would build houses for underprivileged people, poor people. But they required that the poor people work on the house. They actually had to help build the house. They had to show up, pound nails, carry boards, uh, turn screws, and help build the house. 
and the time they put into building the house was considered sweat equity. And they found that when they did that, the people cared about the house more. When they, they went into South Africa and they were going to make this model village and help all these poor people out, they were living in a shanty town. They came in and they built all these little dome structures with houses and, and running water to the houses. And, you know, they didn't have, it wasn't real fancy, but it was way better than the slums they had before. And they built them and it just looked absolutely beautiful when they built it. And then they invited all the poor people to come live in these shelters. And within six months to a year, the place looked like shanty town. Doors were ripped off, plumbing was wrecked. Um, filth in the streets because they didn't give life to care. They didn't teach the people to care. They just gave them stuff. They didn't care. Give me more stuff. I mean, that's what happens to rich kids. They, their parents give them and give them and give them. They grow up to be spoiled rich kids. Now, I didn't guarantee that you're going to have moral kids if you, you know make them work for their allowance. I mean, we don't even give our kids an allowance. They're expected to work. We're expected to work. I get up, they get up. They make a habit of getting up and getting to work. I don't have to yell at them. You know, I I can make it uncomfortable for them if they don't do their work. (laughs) But all my kids were home taught, which is another thing I brought up in the course of this because one individual who actually is, seems to be a kid himself was saying, well, we need a good public education system because people need an education in order to accomplish it. Well, if you need a good education, why do you have a public school education? Because you don't get a good education in a public school. You get a poor education in a public school. Homeschoolers, even when you count the parents who believe in unschooling, which I don't believe in, who have no curriculum, don't try to force their children to learn anything, don't require that their children learn anything. Unschoolers are mixed in with homeschoolers, you know, people who teach their children at home. And even with those people mixed in, homeschoolers still score 30% higher than kids who go to public school. And many homeschooling parents have no college education. Many homeschool. I know some homeschooling parents who could barely speak English. But their kids could all speak English and their kids all were successful. My kids have all been successful and they were homeschooled. And I don't have a college degree. How is that possible? I mean, my daughter, who owns three businesses, uh, very successful is having her first experience in school. She was asked to teach at the local university. (laughs) So, her first experience in a classroom is as a teacher. (laughs) And uh, one of my sons, same experience. First experience in a classroom, he was a teacher at a local high school. Volunteer teacher, but still a teacher, had a class. Did it for free. Why would he do it for free? Because he's a capitalist. <laughs> he's, well, it doesn't, doesn't mean a capitalist can't be charitable. A socialist doesn't have to be charitable. You know, somebody said once, 
socialism is the religion you get when you have no religion. Most people don't understand that because not only do they not understand definition of words like socialism and capitalism, they also don't understand words like religion or government. Religion is the performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. And so socialism says your duty to your fellow man is you go to work, we take a portion of what you produce and we give it to you, the ones who are not working. Assumedly because they can't work, but then again, how many people can't work because they choose not to work? It's like the puppy dog. It was all fat and lazy. Didn't do anything. Seemed to be listless and unhealthy. And left the the owner left it with the vet for three days and came back and the dog's all jumping around and happy and leaping up and down and bouncing around just full of energy. And she wanted to know what wonder drug the vet gave the dog. I didn't give him anything. He says, well, how could he get this uh, so peppy and so excited to see me? If you didn't give him a special medicine, he says, no, you don't understand. I didn't give him anything. I didn't feed him. I didn't feed him for three days. <laughs> and guess what happened? The dog got better. <laughs> he fasted for three days and he got more energetic because he, he was anxious to get fed again. <laughs> It's amazing how many people can get to work, get clever when they have to. If you take no pain, no gain. If you take away the need to connect the dots, people will stop connecting the dots. And connecting the dots, in order to do that, you need to get the big picture. And socialism, which public school is socialism, takes away the need to get the big picture. You don't have to educate your kids. I have read hundreds and hundreds of school books while I prepared myself to teach my children at home. I did it because I was checking out what's in this school book. Is this one good? Is this one good? This one good? I read more school books preparing to teach my children at home than I did when I was in school because I didn't read all my school books in school. <laughs> it's kind of a rebel. But I had a responsibility to my family. And I practiced that responsibility. Again, that's why you need to form a network of congregations who care about one another. You need to help people out because you need to help people out. Not because the people need help. You need to give life to care while the guys who go and meet at the Bohemian Grove are killing care. You need to care. Now, handing $10 out your car window to a bum on the street is not caring. It's better than doing nothing, maybe. Probably not much better. If you think that's care, no, that's not. That's just caring about yourself because you want to feel good about giving the 10 bucks, And you imagine that the 10 bucks was exploiting your resources for good. What you were simply doing is trying to obtain a good feeling. You did not check and see if that guy really needed the 10 bucks. You did not investigate what he really needed. You didn't take the time. It's a poor excuse for caring. And that's another reason why you need to form a network. 
Because, I mean, one of the first things we saw when we formed a network is somebody who was joining all kinds of groups all over the country. And he was in the habit of going to one household after another, claiming to going to help them out and actually sponged off of them for long periods of time. And he had secret money coming in, a check coming in because of, I don't know, disability or something. I've seen guys who come and, you know, sob story and and somebody gives them a place to stay and they feed him. He does a little bit of work around there, but he doesn't can't do much because he has to go out and look for a job. He goes out every day to look for a job. He doesn't look for a job. He panhandles. Comes back with hundreds and hundreds of dollars in his pocket. And said, oh, I couldn't find a job. He's not looking for a job. He's got a place to live. They feed him. And he goes out and he panhandles during the day. Makes hundreds and hundreds of dollars. He's sitting there counting all his monies. And he says he's broke. They're not doing him any good. They're not caring for what that guy really needs. Capitalism allows you to care. It doesn't make you care. Because charity is a choice. Without choice, there is no charity. There is no charity in socialism. As a matter of fact, socialism kills charity. Kills that lifeblood of care. It debilitates society. It breaks down the bonds of society that makes society a band of brothers, that makes society strong. Socialism has a track record of creating dictators because it requires offices of power and power corrupts. You create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office. The kingdom of God has offices too. It has ministers who belong to God, serve God. They're not of the world, but they are men of service. And they are, and they know one of the greatest services they can provide for you is to help you provide for others. To give birth to care. If you want to raise somebody from the dead, First, they have to want to care about others. This is what believing in Jesus. Do you believe in loving your neighbor as yourself? Do you believe in forgiving? Good, because if you don't, you will not be forgiven. You can tell me you believe in Jesus till the cows come home. You're not forgiven. Because if you do not forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. Jesus said that. That's the doctrines of Jesus. If somebody tells you that you're forgiven because you believe in Jesus, if somebody tells you you're forgiven because you got dunked in water, they are deceiving you. They are lying to you. If you do not forgive, neither will you be forgiven. Giving to somebody who sometimes does not deserve it is part of the program. Sometimes. Occasionally, Jesus gave to somebody because he knew that that person would eventually deserve it. Not deserve it, but, you know, would learn to believe. Most of the time, he said, do you believe before? You know, when he when he cured the, the young boy, he didn't ask the boy, do you believe? He asked the boy's father. Because the father's 
believed, but needed help with his unbelief, which is a to even make that statement is a statement of humility, then Jesus cured his son. Healed his son. The blind man he healed and he never even asked him. He says, I come to give sight. But he knew deep down, spiritually, he knew this guy would repent and change the way he looked at things. So anyway, in this this next half, we're going to talk about government and what the word government really means. We may come back and revisit some of this, but stay tuned to Keys of the Kingdom. have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory and we're talking about uh, care. We're talking about Socialism, capitalism. Capitalism is not an immoral system or a moral system. It's not. It's it's simply an economic system where the means of production remain in the hands of the individual. And you can expand that definition where the means of production can remain in the hands of a corporation, which is simply a gathering of individuals. Now, in state corporations, there's a certain longevity that is not natural to man. It lives from generation to generation because it, it it is a corporate entity and it does not die. It is a golem. And if you want to know what a golem is, you can look that up at Preparing You. It is a creation of mankind. A A golem, a corporation, should not have the same position as an individual. It may have the same position as a person, 
but it should not have the same power of an individual. But most individuals are now persons, so that's another whole matter, and we won't get into that discussion. But capitalism itself means the means of production are in the hands of Adam and Eve and their progeny. And it passes, the means of production passes from generation to generation. Well, the kingdom of heaven passes from generation to generation. The kingdom of heaven is from generation to generation. That's Daniel. He's telling you how it works. Father inherits the means of production from his father and what he adds to it or takes away. And the son inherits from his father. And it passes from generation to generation. If you inherited slavery from your father, so be it. Now, all you need to do is make the father in heaven your father and you can be free again. But you may not be able to do that with a piece of paper. You may do that only by doing the will of the father. He who does the will of my father is my brethren. Teaching of Jesus Christ. You're not doing the will of the father... You're not the brethren of Christ and therefore you're not the children of God and therefore you are not saved and you are living a delusion. So what is the will of God? Is it the will of God that you covet your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other? No, it is not the will of God to do that. Do most modern Christians do that? Yes, most modern Christians do that because modern Christians are not real Christians. Modern Christians are not saved. People who do not seek the benefits of men who exercise authority one over the other, who do not covet their neighbor's goods, are they saved? Not necessarily. Do they care about their neighbor as much as they care about themselves? If they do, then they will gather together in a network of care. And give life to care by daily practice of charitable charity instead of covetousness which is what the world does if you have simply wanted to leave the world but did not want to efficiently wisely exploit the resources at your disposal for the good of your neighbor as much as for your own good then you are not a christian If you don't do that, you are not a Christian. You are not following Christ. You're not doing what the early church did. The early church formed a network of care. And they applied the morality of Christ to that care. And the Holy Spirit taught them. If you are resisting gathering together, if you're holding back, if you're if you're saying, well, we don't need an organization because organization, you still have not forgiven the organizations of the world. You are still in judgment of the governments of the world. And it, because you're in judgment, you cannot see the importance of gathering together in a network of care. In a well-organized network of care, organized from the ground up, you are resisting the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may have it here, 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 and here, but you're not putting on the full armor of God. So now, what does that mean? Now, some of you will get that, because that's actually spoken to some of you out there, not to all of you. 
But some of you will, some of you actually will not get that, <laughs> which is unfortunate. So, what is, what is government? What is a republic? Well, let's look at uh, the government in general. Government is presently defined. If you look up the word and you look up the definition, if you Google it, government is defined as the governing body of a nation, state, or community. So, a community can have a government. Now, what is the government body, governing body of the kingdom of God? Is there a governing body of the kingdom of God? I mean, Jesus appointed a kingdom to the apostles, so are they a governing body? Well, yeah, they're part of that governing body. But they they are a community. What is a community? It's people who have a common communion. What is a common communion? Is that where we all get the same wafer bread laid on our tongue by some priest? No, it's when we share bread from house to house. That's communion. If someone has a need, we fill that need. By charity, not by socialism. <coughs> so here's a, and the word is also defined. There's another definition for the word government. The system by which a nation, state, or community is governed. So the kingdom of God, how is it governed? It's governed through the hearts and minds of the people who gather together in free assemblies to charitably donate to the needs of the whole society. They cast their bread upon the waters of the whole society. They have a choice as to where they cast it, who they cast it to, what altar they lay their donation on. They have all those choices of power. But they are empowering their government servants to serve. That process requires that they care not only about those people who can help them, but those people far away who may not be able to help them. And that is pure care. If you only help those who help you, If you only love those who love you, what grace is there? You want grace and you will need grace to survive in this world. You have to care about those who cannot or may not be able to help you. Which includes the widows and orphans of society. But not just the widows and orphans you know, but the widows and orphans far away. In order to construct a government, a voluntary government, people must voluntarily give to that government. They must, but they are not required to by that government. They are required to by God who dwelleth in the heart and the minds of men. But God only dwells in the hearts and minds of moral men. Men who care. Men who where care can live in them. This definition of the system by which a nation, state, or community is governed includes the idea of the action or manner of controlling or regulating a nation, organization, or people. What is people? Community. 
people of that common unity, that community, that common communion. The manner of controlling. How do we control? Well, what if somebody in your congregation stands up and starts hitting people with his Bible, hitting them over the head, knocking them unconscious? What is the manner of control? Are you going to call the police? Are you going to jump on that guy and hold him down, take his Bible away and cast that demon out? (laughs) What are you going to do? What manner do you do? Is it your responsibility to stop him or are you going to call somebody else to do it? Well, if you're going to do it, you may need the means by which to do it. So stay in shape. (laughs) We uh, We always knew when we gathered at a local church building here, uh, we don't gather there anymore. Nobody gathers there. Uh, we always knew that there was at least one or two people in the crowd that had a gun in their pocket. <laughs> Everybody knew it. And uh, so we were pretty safe there. Uh, once you have the Holy Spirit dwelling, you're probably safe anywhere. You don't necessarily need a gun all the time. But you can still carry one. And I'll lay you odds, if you're really following the Holy Spirit, you'll carry a gun when you need it. You'll know. The Holy Spirit will say, and and the gun. You know, the canoe, the paddle, and the gun. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Okay. Not only does it include the action or manner of controlling and regulating a nation, because you're controlling and regulating that guy who went nuts and started hitting people with the Bible doesn't mean that you're making up rules that everybody has to have a Bible or they get beat up or fined. It means that you cannot, the rule is you cannot violate the rights of others. And since we care about others as much as we care about ourselves, when we see you violating the rights of others, we're going to step in and stop you because it's our responsibility. That's how you get your rights back is take back your responsibilities. Not only to yourself and your family, which is fine. That's great. It's a great start. But to your neighbor. Not just the neighbors that are close by, but the neighbors that are far away. You see how this is progressive? This is progressivism. <laughs> not, the, not the social progressiveness of the socialist who simply wants to take bigger bites out of his neighbor all the time. But it's really progress towards the kingdom of God. That's progressivism too. The progressivism you see is the, is the getting you closer to the kingdom of hell. But anyway, that that action and manner also includes the group of people in office at a particular time and in an administration. Well, there is an office in the kingdom of God. And Jesus appointed, I appoint unto you a kingdom, but you are not to be like the princes of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. So we have offices, but they are not offices of authority. They are titular offices in name only. Now we have absolute total control over what people choose to freely give us. But we do not have any control over the people themselves. And any control but the natural control that if, you know, if you start hitting people over the head with your Bible and knocking them unconscious in church, we may be one of the guys who jump on you. (laughs) But it isn't that we had control over you. It's that you lost control. 
and began to infringe upon the rights of others. And we had a responsibility to stop you. You know, it's like the slapping the person. Thanks, I needed that. <laughs> you need to... We're, we're doing this out of love. Not because we... Because we're men of service, men of love, men of care. We assume in our own minds that government is a matter of force by those who govern. But the word govern only means, here's the definition, conduct the policy, actions, and affairs of a state, organization, or people. Govern is the conduct and policy, the actions and affairs. Paul talks about affairs. He had actions. His action was to take the free will offer of Galatia to Corinth and to redistribute it to the ministers he learned to trust because he saw them doing the work of Christ. This was the affairs of state. The affairs of the kingdom of God. This is what the church should be doing. But most ministers today have a list of social services from the government of the world who are the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. The church should be taking care of the needs of the people. There should be no need in any true church established by Jesus Christ of anybody going to the government and asking a bankrupt government to borrow money against the lifeblood of their children and grandchildren so that they can have Social Security today. Because you have no money in Social Security. There is no money there. It's completely bankrupt. Nobody robbed. I heard uh, Rand Paul the other day talking about borrowing from Social Security. There is no borrowing from Social Security except in your imagination. There is no division of funds. This has been ruled over, 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 over again from the beginning. No division of funds. All the money in Social Security belongs to the common fund. Except in your imagination. If the government is bankrupt, those who the government owes can seize your Social Security. They have a right to it. More than your own right to it. You don't have a right to it. It's a privilege, remember. You're not paying into an account where your money is held on deposit. That is a total delusion. Anybody talking in those terms is fooling you. They are satanic deceivers. So anyway, while government may include rulers, nowhere in these definitions of government is there a ruler required. You can have a ruler, but you don't have to have a ruler over the people. The people may rule, and that's still a government. Anarchy is a government. And anarchy means no ruler. Now, chaos is not a government. <laughs> but anarchy is not necessarily chaos. In, in this day and age, most anarchists would produce chaos. Because most anarchists are not moral people. At least most of the ones I've come across. I haven't done an entire survey. That's just an estimated sampling of the anarchists that I have seen. Why? Because they, care does not live in them. They do not care about one another. You want care to live in you, you have to start caring. If Denmark would start caring about one another, start weaning themselves off of socialism, 
their rate of suicide would go down. Their rate of depression would go down. They might become the happiest nation in the world. But that's a choice. But it's a choice. You don't have to wait for a common vote to start caring about one another. You have freedom of religion and religion is the performance of your duty, the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. And and you don't know the meaning of the word pious. So go look up religion at preparing you. Start doing your own research. Start looking up things. This is why we have so many footnotes. So that you can start figuring out what words mean. And that once you do that, you can start talking again. Instead of the word salads that everybody depends upon now. Because everybody is divided. They're schizophrenic. What if the system by which a nation, state, or community is governed only included people who did not exercise authority or rule over the other? Socialism requires that the collective rule over the collective, over the individual. The individual's rights are now held by the collective instead of the individual. Socialism by its very nature is ruling over others. Capitalism doesn't necessarily include ruling over others. It's about choice. You have the choice to decide how you want to use your means of production, your labor. You want to go out and find gold. You get to go out and find gold. Now, if you start a gold mine on a river and it pollutes the river downstream where somebody is taking and drinking water, you have to stop your gold mine. Now, how do we stop the gold mine without government? Well, you stop it by all the people downriver going up to the guy upriver and saying, you got too much mud coming down the river and you're polluting the river. you got to stop that. There are always more people downriver than you. I mean, not always. You might live right on the beach. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, the point is, is that People complain. And in in the course of this conversation on Facebook, people were complaining. Talking about uh, a few people taking advantage. You know, and having the power and control. And that's what capitalism leads to. It only leads to that when the people do not care about one another. Socialism leads to a death of care. And why do rulers want socialism? Because when you stop caring about your neighbor as a matter of practice, they get to rise to power. Corporations rise to power. You know, people talk about unions being the answer. Well, unions are only the answer if people care. Unions without that care become a worse blight than the corporation. I often find unions more in bed with the corporate leaders than they are in bed with the people. And how is it possible? I mean, the people are always electing union leaders who look like they're going to help them, but don't make backroom deals with the company and sell the union workers out. 
Occasionally they get so blatant you catch them at it. I mean, like recently the presidential election, and it was so obvious that certain individuals running for president were selling their influence. I mean, they were it's just it's right there. I mean, the emails were there, the exposure where people are selling their influence to the highest bidder. And they're selling out the birthright of Americans. Of course, Americans are selling their birthright to these leaders because they're all doing the Saul Syndrome thing. They're all looking, they're rejecting God. They're rejecting pure religion in exchange for socialism and, and a king who's going to set things right for them because they're too lazy. When the, And socialism lends to that weakens the people so that they cannot throw off a dictator even if they wanted to. You don't have the means of revolution to throw off some ruler who is usurping authority. I see all kinds of people wanting to throw off rulers who actually have the authority that they... You know, there's a lot of people out there, these anarchists, who want to say, there is no legitimate authority. Well, that's just not so. You eat at the table of rulers, they are going to get authority over you. If your parents ate at the table of rulers, you're subject. If your parents are on Social Security, you're subject. You want to be unsubject, start caring about others. Don't pretend to be free. Take back your responsibilities and that, and that means taking back the burden of your responsibilities. Go out and get a job and support your parents so they don't need Social Security. Now, you, you can't force them to stop taking it. But you can say, I have a house for you. I have a place for you because I've gone out and earned the money. I paid Caesar, but I have earned so much money, I have money left over to help you. And you don't need to take that. Now, they may still take that, but that's their choice. But at least you can say they didn't take that from Caesar because their son didn't provide for them or their daughter didn't provide for them. Because that's caring. That's why you were to honor your father and your mother. Because it teaches you care. It gives life to care. Socialism kills care. That's why you have so many orphans in the Soviet Union. So many alcoholics in the Soviet Union. I mean, they subsidize the production of vodka to keep the people pacified. In the United States, we have pharmaceutica. You know, all kinds of, everything from Redland to Prozac to, you know, I mean, I don't even, Luxol, I mean, the, the list of drugs are ridiculous. But you should be addicted to righteousness. And you can't get addicted to it till you start consuming it. Start being a part of it. Start care- And this is why you need a network of people who care about one another as much as they care about themselves. If you don't do that, you shall not be free. You shall not get your rights back. You should not get your rights back. Because you don't care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. You don't care enough about your neighbor to gather together in a network of care. You do not want to follow Christ. 
Because Christ created a network that cared. What do you think he needed the donations of Susanna and others? You know, the house of, uh, was it Chuga? These wealthy, wealthy people. Why were they so that he could camp out, you know, along the Sea of Galilee? I mean, they, they, he could go fishing and make more money. Why did he need all this money that they were giving him? Because they were setting up a network of care. Why were they, he hailed so much just because he, these miracles? Because everybody in Jerusalem saw him creating a social welfare system that actually was taking care of one another and did not need the social welfare system of Herod. That's why you had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people opting out of the social security system that had been set up by Herod and the Pharisees and opting into a social welfare system set up by Jesus Christ that operated by free will donations where the leaders did not exercise authority one over the other, but were titular in name only. They exercised authority over what was given them and rightly divided the bread from house to house, working daily in the temple, which was a government building, because they were the government of God, the kingdom of God at hand, which you have no part in, because you have no daily administration, except by the men who exercise authority one over the other, which you call government. Because you've abandoned the government of God for the imaginary false religion of men. You need to repent, turn around, go the other way. Give life to care. Because that is what the evil dictators of the world fear the most. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, in continuing this discussion, we've moved from uh, capitalism to government. And people think that government has to do with ruling over others, which it does not. Uh, they also uh, uh, think that capitalism is somehow immoral when it's only, which is like saying guns are immoral. Capitalism is simply a tool by which the... Uh, and it's not even a tool. It's simply where you realize the means of production of the individual is primary. And that is his labor. If he produces something with his labor, he has a proper right to that thing now because his sweat and toil is invested in that thing. Now, that is some resource that he now has a right to and that right may, you know, like if he, if, if two people work on an orchard or grow one single tree, both of them have a right to that tree. They have a proportionate right to that tree. Now that right exists. It may be up to men to figure out where to draw that line. And that's where it comes into the courts. Say one of them say, well, starts taking most of the apples. He said, well, I did most of the work. And he says, but we agreed that we would divide the apples and we would have this mutual work on it. And I don't know that you did do most of the work. And uh, so they have a disagreement. 
Now, they can go to their neighbor and say, we have a disagreement. Will you help us? We cannot settle this. We keep arguing and arguing. We cannot settle this agreement. If we present the case to you, they go to a neighbor who they think is wise and intelligent and says, will you adjudicate this issue? Okay, he says. Now, he now has the power to judge. And he could say, adjudicated arbitrarily or adjudicated by contract. In other words, by arbitration, and I just simply try to talk you guys into the agreement, maybe both of respect. But if you say, no, whatever you decide, we will go by. Now you have a contract with the judge. And the, the judge will decide what is fair. And he has a right to do that because you gave him that right to do that in this one case. Now, what's happened in the world today is because you've given the responsibility to government to take care of your parents, instead of you honoring your parents, you're going to have the government take care of your parents. Instead of you, uh, parents educating you, they go to the government and say, you educate my children. Instead of the parents connecting the dots and being the social security of their family and their family being the social security of their parents, you have gone to the government and say, you do that because you put all these responsibilities on the government, they get to decide whether or not you can get by with not wearing or having to wear a safety belt or all these other things. You've already given them the power to judge because you gave them the responsibility of securing your life. Of providing for you, of providing for your parents, of providing for your children. You have prayed to the government and what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. You are snared. You are in bondage. You don't like it. Change your ways. Start caring about one another. That's the way it works. You can't just fill out a piece of paper and get free. You can't just say, I demand my rights back. Because they have have rights to you. Because you gave them the responsibility. And your parents gave them the responsibility. And your grandparents gave them the responsibility. This is what happened in Israel. Or in Egypt. Israel gave Egypt the responsibility of feeding Israel. And so Israel was now subject to Egypt. And they continued that process and it got worse and worse and worse until they cried out. But God would not hear them until they began to care about one another. God will not hear you. You will not have the grace of God because you say you believe. You must be a doer of the word. He who doeth the will of my Father. Are you taking care of the needy in your society by faith, hope, and charity? No? Well, then don't expect to be free. Don't expect the grace of God. Don't expect the protection of God. Don't expect the pillar of fire to stand between you and the armies of Pharaoh. Because when they find out that you're beginning to care, they will try to kill you. Just like they kill care in the Bohemian Grove. Yeah, if you guys don't know, look, Google Bohemian Grove. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of videos up that show that, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a distraction and red herring. The problem is not them. The problem is you. You can't change them anyway. So it's good news to know that the problem is you. Because you can change them. 
Somebody said, Malik said, uh, dictators do not climb the ranks. Uh, they forcefully seize power from other dictators. Also amassing more power and bureaucrats. Now, they actually do, in a sense, climb the ranks. And the dictators that they are amassing power from is your neighbor. Your neighbor wants to force you to provide for his child's education. He wants to force you to provide for his social security. He wants to force you to provide for the police and the courts and all these other things through taxation. It's all the millions, the 300 million little dictators in America that will elect the dictator of the United States. That is because they live by the nature of the dictator. They dictate to their neighbor. They are fine with coveting their neighbor's goods. It may, it may be a little thing. And they, of course, they always excuse it. Well, I pay. They don't pay. Well, the individual who homeschools his kids, he pays too. He often pays for your kids and his kids. And it requires sacrifice. But that willing sacrifice of Christ, loving, you know, people always, these guys are always going around wanting to oppress their wives and force their wives. And I'm the master of the household and you are to be subject to me. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and the way it works. It says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He sacrificed himself. How do you love your family? You sacrifice yourself for your family. How do you love your neighbor? You sacrifice yourself for your neighbor. What you see in the socialist world of today, the progressive world of the day, is they want to sacrifice their neighbor for the poor. You got rich people out there, Whoopi Goldberg out there, going around wanting everybody to, you know, be a socialist nation. She's filthy rich. She's not like Christ. You know, look at all these preachers out there. They were poor and they made themselves rich off of false religion. They don't take care of the needy. They take care of themselves. And you think they're ministers of God? Are you crazy? They are not ministers of God. They are the synagogue of Satan. All these preachers out there that live high on the hog off of other people. They should come out and live with us for a while. Find out what real life is all about. Uh, somebody was talking about, uh, you know, the, uh, that, uh, the capitalist has an obligation to have safety standards. And the person explained that because to prevent lawsuits. Because uh, he, he actually said somewhere that, you know, we're not, the capitalist is not required to love his employee. We're required by God to love our neighbor, to even love our enemy. So, yes, a capitalist, not by capitalism, isn't required to love. But we are already, by the law of nature, required to love our neighbor. Because as we judge, so shall we be judged. It's already built into the system. So, yes, if you want to be loved, if you want to receive 
the uh, and exploit is one thing to dig a hole in the ground and exploit nature. It's another thing to exploit your neighbor. You have a built-in obligation to love your neighbor. So the exploitation cannot be abusive. You have a right to choose to be abusive, but you will not get away with that. So you have a responsibility to love your employee and to create safety standards, not to prevent lawsuits. That's incorrect. And, and, you know, I think the guy is maybe genuine. He just has to think these things out a little better. Because the employee is the means of production, and you are to dress the means of production and keep it, not destroy it. So you should not be destroying nature when you are exploiting nature. You should certainly not be destroying the employee when you're exploiting the employee's ability to produce. You should be dressing and keeping the employee, keeping him healthy, keeping him thriving, keeping his uh, sense of responsibility growing in him because he will do you a better job. I mean, that's... That's that's one reason. But it's built into the system that you have to care about him as much as you care about the product that you're producing. That's built in. Now, it's not part of the definition of capitalism, but it's part of the definition of nature. Because nature, the law of nature, is defined as divine will. And we have plenty of evidence that as you judge, so shall you be judged. We have plenty of evidence that that if you that you are to care about one another, and that is essential. Somebody, uh, Guy Weissman, uh, was saying a number of things. I was going to look and see if I could see where he said it here, but uh, um. Anyway, he he quotes this one thing, small groups of amoral people who control. He refers to them because he sees that as what capitalism is producing. Well, actually, what is producing that is the socialism that has been creeping in for over a 100 years in America. That has been creating an amoral people who are in control. It isn't capitalism that created that. But what really created that is the result of every... One else who only are caring about themselves. And I told him to go watch Bugs Life because, you know, they're a perfect example. Everybody cared about, you know, their little niche, their little responsibility, and the grasshoppers got power. And all the time the power was in the hands of the ants, but the grasshoppers had power. Because the ants were only concerned about their little niche. What I'm carrying. My little place in the line. They didn't care about the other ants as much as they cared about their little place in the line of things. Once they realized that they they were the ones in control. And they came together and worked together. Then they had the power again. Which is why you need a network of people who are practicing care on a daily basis. And a daily, you don't just give when you see somebody in need. You give, you give, you give. The heart doesn't beat simply when you're awake. It even beats when you're asleep. It beats when you're resting. 
It is, it is supplying the needs of the whole body when you're doing nothing. When there is no need. That's the only way to have a healthy body. So in that network of congregations, you have to give regularly, consistently. And not just to help those that are immediately in front of you, but those that are far away. It is our move towards socialism for the, for decades now that has, has bound society. You know, what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. If we were caring about one another, there would be no small group of amoral people who control. The, the majority would, not, you don't even need the majority to succeed at this. You know, Christians were only about 5% of the Roman Empire. Now, there were people who uh, supported the Christians and defended the Christians who extended beyond what you would call a Christian. But five, if 5% of the United States were actually real Christians, really following Christ, really gathering together, not forsaking the gathering together, but giving on a daily basis, becoming the entire social welfare system of their community, their Christian community, you would see a vast shift in all of society. And there would be hope again in the land. I have the hope because I see things far off. But you're not there now. And if you will not gather together in a network that cares, you're not going to get there. That This one Ben fellow, he lacks education due to sloth. I told him my children... Uh, were home taught. And they're all very successful. And uh, my, many of my grandchildren are home taught. Or some of them. I, I wouldn't say all of them. But uh, hopefully some of this will carry over. They're not, uh, they're not abandoned. Uh, none of my uh, grandchildren have been abandoned by their parents. But... Uh, the fact is, is uh, public education uh, does not advance society. It is actually holding society back. And if you go read our uh, Schools as Tools article, you'll see that what has infested public education, and it's not Common Core, long before Common Core, because this individual says, I don't even like Common Core. It isn't Common Core. Common Core is just another step. You know, off the edge. Uh, we went a long ways away from what is righteous. Long ways back. You know, a century ago. And you, uh, we showed some of the process back in 1908 and uh, certainly during the First and Second World War how education was changed. And Long after I got out of school, I never went to public school, but uh, long after I got out of the educational system, they stopped teaching history. Why do you think they stopped teaching history? Because if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat the mistakes of history, and they were at the point where they wanted you to repeat the mistakes of history, and one of those mistakes is socialism. Now, you cannot change 
the course of history. You cannot change the course of the world. And I use that word in the sense that Jesus used it when he says, my kingdom is not of this world. It is in the sense of constitutional orders and systems of government. You cannot change their course. You can change your course. Because you don't have the right to rule over them. They get to go the way they want to go. But you can change your course. And you can start gathering together with other people who want to change their course. And you can work out your salvation together in a community of people with fear and trembling. And then God will be there for you. If you choose not to do that, if you choose to exclude yourself, if you choose to isolate yourself and forsake the gathering together, if you choose to only give to those who you love and love you, you will not have the grace of God. That's the teachings of Jesus Christ in a nutshell. If you continue to isolate yourself and think that because you think a thought that you are saved, You will continue to be unsaved and not know the difference. And it's a struggle. You have to fast from judgment. You have to fast from anger. You have to fast from fear. You have to fast from the desire, the temptation to control others, to manipulate others, to dictate to others. You have to lay your soul bare and let God in. If you are full of your own personal doctrines and judgments and private interpretations of the Bible, how in the world is the Holy Spirit going to get in and guide you? You have to empty your heart of all your judgment and ambition and You know, I mean, your unrighteous ambition. I mean, your only ambition must be to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You can't just seek the kingdom of God. You have to seek His righteousness. And it is righteous that you care about your neighbor. In order to efficiently care about your neighbor, you have to gather together in a network. Otherwise, you'll have guys going from congregation to congregation and you'll be supporting them As they leech off of you. And then when you finally find out who they are. I mean. If you know the grace of God will give you wisdom. You did not even know existed. But you don't have grace. Until you care about people. You don't even know exist. Christ came down. He didn't have a list of everybody's name. He came down to care about you. To sacrifice himself for you. You're not coming in the name of Christ unless you gather in congregations that come together to care. If you gather in congregations because it makes you feel good, that's wrong. That's not Christ didn't come to feel good. It's not gathering in the name of Christ. If you're looking for a religious experience... An emotional experience. You know, with organ music. They're not looking for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You're looking for a feeling. You can't do that. you got to give that up. Fast from that desire. That addiction. To false religion. 
Start finding pure religion. Start taking care of one another. And first, that means taking care of yourself. When you go to the church and you need help, your quest should be, how can you guys help me help myself? And one of the ways they can do that is to get you to start helping others. And in that process of caring, this is why God created the family. Father and the mother have the burden of the children. This changes your thinking. You know, we have ministers, well, we have ministers who have had children. And they're not really providing all the support for that child that they should be. And they're missing out on something because they're not attending to something. Uh, We have had ministers who haven't had children. And they are, are, are crippled by the fact that they haven't had children. Now, they can overcome these difficulties with the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of, which is the Spirit of service. But having to take care of a family produces a certain mindset. Having to have your own business and take care of a family produces a, a more of that same mindset. Having to educate your children yourself and have a business, and support your family, and be the total health care provider of your family, and take care of others in your community, changes you. It alters you. Socialism changes you. And every time you dabble in socialism, have somebody else take care of your parents. Have somebody else take care of your neighbor. Have somebody else come to the aid of your neighbor when he's being robbed or abused. Or robbed in the courts. Not showing up for others. Not have, not thinking, thinking that you don't have to show up for others. That you don't have to expend the energy of loving your neighbor. Changes you. One for the better, one for the worse. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Gather together. See in the network. Till then, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www. 
www.hisholychurch.net.